then it gets overwhelming, and then you realize you, you can't do it all, and so you give up. Or you realize that you're the only person in the room who's actually even trying to do it, and everyone else has just skipped town, and they're not doing anything, and you say, well, why am I doing it? And so today, really the heart of the sermon is this. Please don't translate doing God's word into a list of things. Please don't do that. Hear the voice of the prophet and the message of the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 33, starting at verse 30. This is the word of the Lord to the prophet. As for you, son of man, God says to the prophet, as for you, son of man, Ezekiel 33, verse 30, your people who talk together about you by the walls and the doors of the houses, they say to one another, each to his brother, come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. And they come to you as people come, and they sit before you as my people, and they hear what you say, but they will not do it. For with lustful talk in their mouths they act. Their heart is set on their game. And behold, you are to them like one who sings lustful songs with a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument, for they hear what you say but they will not do it. When this comes, the judgment, and come it will, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. The very first time I heard those words, I thought, oh my goodness, that's pretty strong. That's a strong message. And I thought to myself, Ezekiel's a very interesting guy. He was a prophet of the Lord, and a prophet of the Lord is someone who receives God's word and gives God's message out. Usually as you read the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah and those guys, they have a message from the Lord, and generally it tends to be a negative message, because it's a message that, hey, everybody, you guys have walked away from God, and you need to come back. And so generally, you know, those aren't generally the feel-good books that we read when we're feeling down and depressed. You know, we, don't, we don't turn to some of these guys. We turn to maybe more of the Psalms because they're a little bit more encouraging. But the prophetic word is an important word, and we really need to hear it. We need to hear what the prophets have to say to us. And so Ezekiel's a prophet. He prophesies about 600 years before the birth of Christ, and he sees a lot of bad stuff going on. And, and, and God says, they hear you, but they don't do it. And I think about ourselves, and I think about the world we live in, and I think that, you know, there's a lot of people who hear God's word, but there's a lot of people who don't do God's word. And the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian in the culture in which we live, in, uh, I guess, the North American culture, I don't think it's the uniquely a South Florida culture. I think, I think it's just one of those things that we've observed, is that, the, is that there's not a lot of difference between someone who says they're a believer and someone who says they're not a believer in the way they act, in the way they, the way they do their lives. And the question is, why isn't God's word making a difference? Why isn't it making a difference? And, you know, if, if I'm going to ask one pointed question today, just one pointed one, it's for you to think about and reflect. When was the last time that God's word made a noticeable difference in your life. That you're walking a certain path and going a certain way, and whether it was a sermon at church, or whether it was a podcast you listened to, or maybe it was just your own personal reading of the Word, and God tapped you on the shoulder and said, no, you're headed down a wrong path. You need to turn. Or maybe it was a th walking through a disaster, and, and your spirit was heavy, 
and, and it was sorrowful, and, and, and you, felt, you felt the weight of the world on your shoulders, and all of a sudden, for, through a friend or a, the, your own study or a pastor or a counselor or someone shared God's word with you, and all of a sudden, you realized that you were not the only person in the world who had that particular issue. That there are other people in the world also that were suffering. And that in the middle of all that suffering, all that pain, God was walking with you. And that made a difference in your life. Think about that for a second. Think about when God's word changed you last. And how it brought you closer to him. Think about that and think about what it means. Because it's not enough, and I mentioned this in the sermon two weeks ago, it's not enough to do really well at Bible trivia. You know, I mean, I went to seminary. You know, I can answer questions really fast about the Bible, or at least a lot of them. But this, that, does, that doesn't help, does it? Right. It doesn't help. I mean, you know, you can brag to your friends, you know, I can sell 66 books of the Bible, and I, and I, know, the order in, I know the order in Hebrew, and I know the, you know. No, those are not life-changing. What's life-changing is that the message of God's Word sinks in our heart, and it changes us forever. And it helps us to walk the life that God has asked us to walk. So there's a, a couple of points I want to call to your attention uh, from this text. From verse 30, I want, to, I want you to see this. Knowing the source of the message is not the same as doing God's word. Knowing the source of the message is not the same as doing God's word. Look at Ezekiel 33.30. These people, they are hearing you and they're talking about you. I mean, Ezekiel's a fascinating guy. If you read the earlier chapters of Ezekiel, he does some crazy stuff. Because God asked him to do it. You know, he sleeps on his side for a time and everyone notices it. It's a sign of the, how long they're going to be in captivity. You know, his, he has to bury his clothes. He does all kinds of some crazy, some crazy stuff in, in the book of Ezekiel. And so he's got everyone's attention. And, they, and they, all the people are talking about it. He's the, he's the hot prophet. He's the prophet that everyone wants to hear. And they say, come and hear what the word is that comes from, in verse 30, it comes from the Lord. Whoa. So Ezekiel was doing his job being a prophet. He didn't say it was his message. He said it was God's message. He didn't make himself higher than anybody else. God was the one who was using him. And the people all understood that whatever he was saying, whatever he was doing, was a word from God himself. And everyone said, come, let's hear what God is saying. You may know the source of the message, but that's not the same as doing God's word. Now, if I gave us all a quiz, you know, there's a little professor inside of me that wants to give everybody a quiz all the time. Uh, just JK. JK. <laughs> if, if we had a, the Bible is God's word. I think, I think we'd have over 90% of people raise their hand. Yes, I believe the Bible is God's word. And he actually, if you talk to the people around you uh, in life who, who don't call themselves Christians, don't have a really close association with faith, if you ask them if the Bible was an important book, they would probably say, yes, it was. Uh, if they say, well, you know, you think the Bible's God's word, maybe they don't say, think it the same way we think it, but they think it nonetheless. And, you know, there's something special about the Bible. Uh, we know that the Bible is God's word as, as believers, as people who go to a church that proclaims the gospel every week, proclaiming the gospel. We understand that it's God's word. But the question, the issue is not that we know where the Bible comes from, but do we allow the Bible to change our heart? So we have access to all kinds of, you know, it's one of, my, one, of my, one of my pet peeves is that we have all this access to the Bible, but we don't ever access the Bible. I mean, I mean, I, mean, I have on this phone alone, you know, I have the, uh, the Bible, Bible, what, 
Gateway, is that that one? I have, I have one of the apps that has like every version in English. If I need Spanish, I can do Spanish and a, a bunch of other languages, right? I have, uh, I have a Greek Bible on my phone. I have a Hebrew Bible on my phone. I mean, I'm, I'm just good to go, right? But if I don't access what's on this phone, it's just, it's just a really, it just takes up space, right? The more space I can do for selfies, right? <laughs> JK, JK. The thought is, <laughs> the thought is, the thought is that we have all this access. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I've gotten to the point where I'm embarrassed. If there's another English translation of the Bible that comes out anytime soon, I'm just going to scream. That, that we have all these ver versions of the Bible and we're not doing any of it or we're doing very little of it. I, and I, it's just my observation is that so few are really living out God's word and we have all these versions and there are people in other parts of the world who don't have one word of the Bible in their language. So that's the kind of feeling I get when I watch the, the hot dog eating thing on July 4th. I, I can't watch it. You know, I, I see the highlights on ESPN, Sports Center for a couple minutes, and I can't watch it. Here's these guys gorging 70 hot dogs. There's a time in my life where I could probably eat five or six. But I think to myself, there are people in the world on the food. And we're gorging hot dogs. You know, I think that. I think those things, right? And the idea is that we have God's word plenty, but there's people who don't have it at all. So at least let's let's make use of what we have, right? And let it God change us. We know it's God's word, so let's take it seriously, right? That's kind of point number one. The people do that. Point number two comes from verse thirty-two, where it says, "Behold, you are to them one who sings lustful songs." with a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument. And so point number two is this. Enjoying the style of the message is not the same as doing God's word. This is something people in church life have been dealing with forever. I've been involved in church for quite a while. Uh, believe it or not, I preached my first sermon at age 15. That was just a couple of years ago. <laughs> and... And I've lived through church life. I came from a very, very traditional church up north. You know, where we sang from hymnals and there was nothing like, no, no drums. Oh my goodness, drums were evil. And, you know, all, 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 that, all that kind of thing. And, and I, there was a lot of growing pains in the church. Now, I, I want to be really careful about how I word this because I want to base it on God's word very carefully, right? The people came to hear Ezekiel preach because he was one, like one who sings lustful songs. That's the English Standard Version. If you have another version of the Bible, it might say, someone who sings love songs. And I'm not going to argue whether it's love or lustful here, although lustful, I mean, I think is a, is a fine translation. But it's the idea that you're appealing to their passions. That's not a terrible thing. And you have a beautiful voice, and you play well on an instrument. They hear what you say. It's not that their ears don't work. But they will not do it. The issue is sometimes that churches face is, you know, we don't want, we don't want really good people singing because we don't want it to sound super good. Like, what? Some people feel that way. You know, we don't want it to be a concert, and we don't want it to be a show. and We don't, we don't want the sermon to be really good. Now, I, I, you're not going to ever believe this, but, but, but take it from me. There are some people who think that a boring sermon is better than an interesting sermon. Because you don't want to ever entertain anybody. And it's I've, I've heard some of those boring sermons. And you know what? I, if I ever end up being boring, 
I wouldn't, if I wouldn't consider that a blessing. To me, I would consider it a sin. I believe God's word is quick and mighty and powerful Amen. like a two-edged sword. I believe that the message of God's word can change your life and can change my life. I believe that, that knowing God's word and doing God's word is the key to having a gospel that changes us and us changing the world around us. I believe that. And so if I get excited about God's word, it's, and people who know me, my family, you know, I don't get excited about a ton of stuff. You know, I don't know if it's because I'm, you know, my, my father's parents were Norwegian or I don't know what, I don't know what the deal is with that. I don't get excited about a lot of stuff, but God's word really does excite me because this is thus saith the Lord. So it's not bad to preach an interesting sermon. It's not bad to have really good singers and really good music in church. It's not bad. Do you notice when you read that verse, God isn't condemning Ezekiel for being good at what he does. He's condemning the people for misunderstanding what he did. And so, you know, we live in a world that likes a good show. And there are people who go to church because it's a good show. And if you ask them at the end of the day what, how it changed your life, they're saying, oh, it was a good show. I liked it, you know. And there are sometimes I've been in church and I feel like I'm leaving the stadium, you know. We're all crowded people. We're all leaving. We're all trying to get out parking. And, and it's like that church probably shouldn't be like that, right? The idea is, the idea is, is that people, people didn't really take it in what it really meant. Ezekiel was a fine, a fine prophet. He gave a great message. It was like he sang beautiful songs to them. But they couldn't, they heard it, they heard it. There is work fine. But they couldn't do it. And so that brings us to our third point. You, you, you following me, right? You following yes. me? Everybody okay? We're good? Yes. Nobody's bored, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the things that distract us. I don't think every distraction is from Satan, but I think Satan wants to distract us. Let me tell you a story that happened to me about 14 years ago. About 14 years ago, my mom died in a car accident. It was a dreadful thing. She was on her way to a Bible study, and I think she had a medical event, although it was never proven by uh, the, the, you know, the coroner. And she, and she was in a small town in Pennsylvania, and she crossed over from one lane to the next in her car, and she hit a big truck and a head-on, and we believe she died instantly at the scene. It was very, 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 very sad. I love my mom very much. And so when we got the word, uh, we got up there as quick as I could. I was a pastor at the time up in Palm Beach County. And, uh, and so you know, I told the church, hey, listen, I gotta go. My, my mom just died, and it's a big crisis in my family up north, and so I need to go there. So I did that, right? And so we processed all that, and we, you know, the funeral, we were, you know, we went to the funeral and all that stuff, and we, uh, part of the funeral, and she was buried, and, and so forth, and, and we were done, and we, we came back home. And so it was really hard, and so I decided, you know, it's like, okay, I, I gotta get back on my feet again, I gotta start preaching again, I gotta do my thing again. And so lo and behold, I was preaching through the book of Philippians, and I got to the point in Philippians where it said, to be absent, uh, not to be, you know, it's like he, Paul wishes, Paul wishes to be with Christ, which is far better from Philippians 1. Remember that verse? And so, I mean, I thought it was providence that my first sermon back from, from being at my mom's funeral was to preach um, that Paul said it's better to be with the Lord. And he, I think you can get the, the emotion of the moment, right? I'm in tears. I'm in tears. My mom is gone. 
I miss her forever, right? And the people in the church were really kind. They were super kind. Um, and they heard it. And I don't know exactly what I said that day, but I can tell you what happened at the end of the service. I walked back to the, it was a very traditional church building. And, and, and uh, just very traditional, you know, big long pews and stuff like that. And I, I walked to the back and I was shaking people's hands and they were greeting me. And it was the first time seeing me since my mom died. And, you know, I got, it was very, you know, they were very supportive, by and large, super supportive. And then we had a visitor. I, to, what's the sports expression? You put it all out on the field, right? I, I left it all on the field, right? I was all on the field. It was all there. I, I poured myself out. There was nothing left of Neil that day. And he comes up to me and he says, did you know that the flags on your platform are in reverse order? That the American flag should be on this side and the Christian flag should be on that side. Jaw drop. <laughs> and we're, I'm among friends, right? You're my friend? You're my friend? I will tell you, that I slipped out of the spirit at that moment. <laughs> and I said, this is a visitor. Thank you for your observation. First, both my mom and my dad are buried in Arlington National Cemetery. Please do not lecture me on patriotism. Point one. Point two, and to me more importantly, if, if that was the only thing you got from this service today, I feel very, very sorry for you. I poured out my heart about my mom dying, and all you can comment on is what position the flags are in on the platform. I never saw the visitor again. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm much more mature now than I was then. <laughs> but that's someone who let themselves be distracted, right? That someone let themselves be distracted. I am sure that I have done 35 offensive things since I started preaching to this this morning. You know, I touched my hair and I adjusted my glasses. You know, I had, I, I had someone critique me once for how many times I adjusted my glasses during a sermon. I mean, it was just, it's just people have crazy things on their mind. And I say, if we're not listening to God's word during the sermon, if we're not saying, what is God trying to tell us? We're missing everything. We're missing everything. Because I confess, I confess, I am flawed. I confess it's not, it's, you know, it's not perfection here. But I do know that my goal when I preach is, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Process through whatever happened to me that week in my life. My mom passed away. My kids are sick. Whatever happened, you know, all of those things. So, point number one was knowing the source of the message is not the same as doing God's word. Point number two is enjoying the style of the message is not the same as doing God's word. Point number three, doing God's word means that our heart is changed. And I go back a verse in Ezekiel 33, go from 32 back to 31, and, and hear, hear the word of the Lord. They come to you as people come, and they sit before you as my people. And when they hear what you say, but they will not do it, for with lustful talk in their mouths, they act. Their heart is set on their gain. This is the heart of the message. This is the most important thing. If I'm judging what's going on this morning, this is the most important thing that I want you to hear today. Doing God's word means that our heart has been changed. 
The idea of doing God's word is not having a list of things that we need to do. The, the idea of doing God's word is not a, simply a behavior in our, in our lives. The idea of doing God's word is that God is changing our heart on a day-to-day basis. So if, if, if it's pointed out to me that I'm by God, right, and through, through sources and through you know, resources, that this needs to change in my life, a person who believes in the Lord and a person who believes in the authority of the Bible and a person who wants to walk with God says, God, change my heart. Change my heart. Change it to make it align with what your word says. I feel a pull in this direction, but Lord, pull me back. I want my heart to be right with you. What is their heart set on? Do you see it at the very end of verse 31? It is set on their gain. What does that mean? It is set on what other versions would say and what, other, what this version translates in other areas. It's dishonest gain. What are they interested in? They're interested in injustice. They're interested in crushing widows and orphans, the poor, the immigrant. They are interested at enriching themselves at the expense of others. And hearing Ezekiel preach and talk was just a check mark for them so that they could continue on in their evil behavior. It is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. This people, they honor me with what? Their lips, but their heart is far from me. Uh, one of the earlier prophets, the prophet Jeremiah says, your eyes and your heart are only for your dishonest gain. Same word that's used here in Ezekiel. By shedding innocent blood and for practicing oppression and violence. Dishonest gain. Behold, I strike my head in Ezekiel, he says. I strike my hand at the dishonest gain that you have made and the blood that has been in your midst. Dishonest gain is coupled with bloodshed. It's coupled with violence. And we understand that because we live in a world where there seems to be injustice everywhere. Where the poor are crushed, and the widows are ignored, and the orphans are, are ignored, and the immigrants are crushed. We've seen it, we've experienced it, we've known others who've gone through it. And it's been firsthand in our face. And the Bible says, the Bible says that when you're doing God's word, your heart is changed, not only before God, on that vertical relationship, but it's changed on the horizontal relationship as well. Uh, Tim, Tim Keller, the pastor from, from New York City, uh, who, who wrote a book called Generous Justice, said that basically the point in this book is this, that we can't just talk about being right with God all the time, like how I'm saved. We have to talk how, how we relate to the world around us. And if our heart towards the world around us is not generous, generous in spirit, generous in resource, generous in time, gener just gener understanding the needs of, of those around us, and being able to reach out to them in some meaningful way. If, if that's not a, a part of our life, there's not a lot of evidence that this thing that we're saying that we're right with God is actually in existence. And so that, to me, becomes a very powerful message for, for churches today, for our church, for our church as a, as a whole, for, for the American church especially. That's the one I'm most familiar with. The idea that, that living out God's word is the idea of, of making sure that we're doing justice in the world. 
That is the call of the prophet. And if you read the prophets over, this is what they this is what they're saying. You know, I know you're not right with God because you're crushing widows, you're stealing their houses. You're you're being super unkind to the immigrant. You're being unkind to orphans. You're mistreating people just so you can get unjust gain. There's money to be had in injustice, isn't there? If money is your God, injustice is a way to get there. And if you don't have a relationship with God, you have no problems taking away stuff from people so you can have more stuff. But that's not a Christian. That's not the teaching of the Bible. That's not what God's word asks us to do. Doing God's work means that we are attuned to the issues of justice and that we hear God's voice on the matter. All these people, they attended, they attended service. They sang along with the songs. They, they carried a version of the Bible with them. You know, they, they heard everything clearly. But when it came to walking the walk, no. They're just talking the talk. And we read in that first passage that we tell, that our, our initial passage for Matthew 7, that that spells disaster. Do you hear what God's Word is saying this morning? Reading the Bible is not simply an invitation to know more Bible content. Reading the Bible is God's way of getting us to have a heart relationship with Him. The Bible is the means by which that happens, through God's Spirit, of course, and the, the work of the risen Christ, of course. All of those things, key and critical and crucial. But as God, we have God's Word with us every day, we think about it, we reflect upon it, we need to let, us, let, let it change us. There's one other passage that I want to look at this morning. Just one other. Thank you for your kind attention. James chapter 1. You know this. You, you've known this. If you've been in church you know, any length of time, you've heard this before. James chapter 1 and verse 22. Be doers of the word, James says. You know who James was, right? Jesus' half-brother, right? Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Did you ever do that? Stare in the mirror. Oh, I need to comb my hair or whatever. Walk away, you forgot to do it. And someone at work reminds you, you have to go here. The idea is, is that someone who doesn't do God's word is someone who looks at their mirror, looks at the Bible, and God has made us comment, God has made a proclamation, God has given us a directive, and we, we know what kind of mirror it is. I can tell you what version of the mirror it is. I can tell you about the Greek and the Hebrew of the mirror. I can tell you all kinds of wonderful things about the mirror. But if the mirror doesn't change me, we're just deceiving ourselves. The one who looks into the perfect law, the scripture, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, in James chapter 1, verse 25, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Where's your heart this morning? Is your heart ready to hear God's word? Not just simply for 30 minutes on a Sunday morning. 
But every moment of every day, do you know there's really crazy times in life when God speaks a word to us, his word to us, when we most need it? You know that? That's God's spirit at work. Are we willing to listen to it or do we shut it off? Are we willing to listen to it? Are we willing to do it? How's our heart today? In James chapter 1, verse 26, James continues, If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. I don't want worthless religion. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. And this is super interesting because it fits with what Ezekiel says and what the whole message of the whole rest of the scripture. Pure religion and undefiled before God is this, to learn as many Bible verses you can, right? Pure religion and undefiled before God is this, to pray for hours at a time, right? No. Pure religion and undefiled before God is this, to attend as many services as you can. No. Pure religion and undefiled before God is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. See the justice, right? There are people who are hurting them in this world. There are people who are suffering. May God give us a heart for them. And may God's word change us every day to bring us in a closer walk with him. Let us pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we confess today that we don't always do your word. Sometimes our heart drifts. Sometimes it drifts just accidentally. We're not paying attention. Sometimes it drifts on purpose because we'd rather do some stuff that's not good. But Lord, we pray that your spirit today would use your word, your word alone, to bring us all closer to you. Help us to be doers of the word. We look at a world where injustice is rampant. Where injustice seems to be just part of the way society is. We ask that by doing your word, we would be a light to show that that doesn't have to be this way. Help us to be agents of change, whether big or small. Help us to shine the light of your love wherever we go. Help us to do your word, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we ask you. Amen. Amen.